I think that's when it's going to kick in. And my sense is, well, there's no way that can happen without mass migration pressure on Europe, maybe of a scale that makes the last migration crisis look like virtually nothing. And so am I being paranoid about that? You seem to be thinking along the same lines. And you said you've seen this coming for about three years. Uh, I think you're understating it, actually. So what's going to happen in the fall? I started warning in January of 2020, actually, and I've warned every day since. And, it's, and I've, uh, at this point, I warn about, you know, half a dozen times a day. Uh, so pan okay. for war. Let's talk about pan for war first. Pandemic, famine, war. The triangle of death. They always go together. If you get a big war or a big uh, pandemic or a big famine, you'll get the other two. You get one, you get the other two. It's three musketeers. And all of these things, any one of them creates the hot human osmotic pressure, right? So these things yeah. go together. So when I saw this, I was one of the very first alerting on the pandemic, right? I was in January, in mid to uh, some, somewhere around January 19th, I think I started warning about uh, uh, of, of uh, pandemic. And, uh, and, and, and so immediately, having studied war for so many years, not just kinetic war and the shootouts and all that. I did that for years back when I was quite skinny and running around out in the wars and all that. Uh, it, but th there's also information war, which is the PhD level of warfare. And then there's these other components that people must study if they're going to be a serious student of war, which is migration, pandemic, yep. and famine. They always go together, period. Yeah. Right? Okay, so, so let, me ask you, let me ask you a question about that. So my sense was that on the pandemic front, that because we disrupted the supply chains and we, we have by no means fixed that in the least, there's a shortage. You can't get a car in Canada. You can't get a motorbike. You can't get a, a personal watercraft. You can't get paper and cardboard for books. There's a, there's a massive backlog and lineup for everything. I know that one container ship in five is now snared at a port. And so I know what happens when you put pressure on the supply chain the people who suffer for that the most are the people at the bottom of the economic hierarchy. And so those are going to be people that are barely hanging on in developing countries, especially in North Africa. That would be my guess where this is going to affect, this is going to have the biggest effects. And so, you know, if you show a 1% increase in unemployment, you get a 5% increase in psychiatric hospitalization. And that's because there's a lot of people who are just barely making ends meet. And then if you double the cost of necessities like energy or let's say fertilizer, or we could even put in food, uh, then you're going to produce a, a tremendous amount of economic pressure on these people, uh, tilt them into starvation. And so and we've seen what's happened in Sri Lanka, which is just an absolute bloody major, significant ongoing catastrophe. 21 million people in Sri Lanka. There's no way we're going to be able to feed them in any real sense for any long period of time. So uh, all that eco movement forward on the Sri Lankan front is going to ensure that those poor starving people are going to eat every goddamn animal on that in that entire country to stave off starvation. And then they're going to burn everything for fuel because what the hell else are they going to do? So this idea that we can make people poor, hungry, cold or hot by scaling back food production and disrupting energy supplies and that's somehow going to save the planet is as backwards a conception as any dimwit could possibly formulate.